Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Things First. I'm Jenna Wolf alongside Should Nick Wright, Brandon again? Marshall, Kevin Wilde. It was so fun No, yesterday. but I was going to say, <laughs> no. our guy it's Nick Wright still basking in the glory yeah. of the Clippers' loss. Somehow he has gleaned so much joy from the loss of a team so he neither roots for it. or against. It is. It oh, is so gosh. comical. Yeah, uh, it we really is. We are going to dive it really is fun. We're going to dive even further into it. So see if you can hold and contain yourself for like 10 minutes while we start with our top story, Nick. And our top story tonight is the game tonight. A little Thursday night football action. Baker and the Browns hosting Burrow and the Bengals. Both teams looking for their first win on the season. But only one team already dealing with issues. Reports surfacing this week out of Cleveland regarding a possible Odell Beckham Jr. trade about the mm, team finger-pointing mm, mm. blame maybe at their quarterback. OBJ desperate to rebound from his three-catch, 22-yard performance in game one. So how do you do that? Take a listen to this. Odell, are you, um, are you the type of player that likes to get involved early? Like, does that just juice you up a little bit if, if you could get one play, one big play, one first down? Does that Absolutely. generally change the tenor of the game? Absolutely. It's like, okay, so go ahead. It's like a shooter <laughs> putting up a couple threes early, like, and you hit one, two of them, like, God knows you might drop 60. You know what I mean? So this is how I feel. I would love, you know, to, to get involved early. Got to give my, my guy, my guy, Brandon Marshall, some props. This is what you said all day yesterday. As a wide receiver, yeah. yep, Nick, as a wide receiver, you want to get going early. You want to get the ball early. Just get some reps underneath you, and that breeds confidence. So, in your opinion, looking at the game tonight, what would you say are the keys to the Browns picking up a win over the Bengals? Yeah, it's no secret. You know, it's not like I'm I'm a genius like like Nick Wright and I can predict things uh, a year in advance. <laughs> it, it really is a universal okay. thing for 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 prima donna receivers, diva receivers, number one receiver, whatever you want to say, it's a universal thing. So yes, the keys to victory for the Cleveland Browns is this: number one, you heard the man, get him involved early. If you can get him in the first 15 plays, which are typically scripted, if you can get him two or three wide receiver screens, this guy is someone that can save you late. He said it. Number two, the running game. Now, if you, you went into Baltimore and you got your butts whooped. They put up 38, so you had to pass the ball around the field. But at the end of the day, you got two running backs that can go for five and six yards per rush. So when you have Kareem Hunt and you have Nick Chubbs, who had a breakout year last year, commit to the run so you can help your struggling quarterback. And the third thing, there's so much talk around Odell. There's so much talk around Baker. Let's not get this thing lost in the shuffle. On third down, you have to go through Jarvis Landry. He is the most efficient pass catcher on your team. He has the most chemistry with the quarterback on your team. Last game, he had six targets, uh, five receptions, four of them went for first down. So when you're third, when you're three for 12 on third down, you have to figure it out because if you're in the bottom tier of uh, in that category, you won't win the game. And the last thing that the Browns need to do if they want to be victorious tonight, they have to play better defense. The run game was stout. They did a great job of start stopping a, a, a run offense that was on the was one of the best in the NFL last year. 
So you have to eliminate the big plays. This secondary, which is a little banged up right now, they have to do a better job of keeping everything in front of them. If you do those four things, you have an opportunity to beat the Bengals. <laughs> Brandon, I think those are all great points. And as far as your second one about committing to the run, <laughs> it is noteworthy. Geno Atkins is not going to be playing for the Bengals. They're all world D tackle. Mm -hmm. And his backup, Mike Daniels, is not going to be playing either. So they could have an opportunity right. to really take advantage of a weakened Bengals defensive line. But here is what I love so much about week two, in particular in the NFL. We start to get a better actual understanding of what we are seeing. So let me give an example for a couple week one games. So the Cowboys, we killed them all week because they only scored three second half points. They only scored 17 points against the Rams. We think that's an indictment on the Cowboys. There is a possibility that what it's going to turn out is the Rams with a new defensive coordinator, Jalen Ramsey, now with more than a full year or a full year in that system, Aaron Donald being Aaron Donald, maybe the Rams are going to end up being one of the three best defenses in football. We, week one, Aaron Rodgers is back. Look at what he did. Well, that's what we think we saw. There's a possibility that we're going to know by midseason, oh, the Vikings have the worst secondary in the entire NFL. Everyone's going to kill them. So we don't really know why yeah. we are seeing what we're seeing. We just know what we're seeing. So, Wilds, why I'm yes. so excited for tonight's game is we're going to get a better idea of was week one more about how awful Cleveland is or how great Baltimore is. We're going to learn about Baltimore tonight just by watching the Browns. If the Browns lay an egg to the Bengals, then it's like, okay, Baltimore played great, but how impressive is it really? If the Browns come out tonight and do what I think they can do, which is score close to 30 points, look sharp, look effective, hold Joe Burrow down, then I think we're going to say, okay, the Ravens are just even better than last year, and you shouldn't overreact and trade Odell and freak out over playing them in week one. So that's what I'm looking to see tonight. Was the week one Browns-Ravens game wilds more about how great the Ravens are or how bad the Browns are? Okay, so I don't... What if it goes really bad, though, Nick? Like, I'm ready, and th th I'm very early on this. You know I'm like to, I like to be an influencer, Nick. I like to get early on the yeah. trends. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, and let me know if you're coming with me. I think we got to get our mm -hmm. first things first jackets. Jenna, you can come, too. I know you're here, too. <laughs> our first things first hats, those boots with the spikes on them, and we are going to climb the mountain of must-win and plant Baker Mayfield's flag uh -huh. at the summit. Already? If he goes, if sure, if you lose to the Ravens, ah, they're Super Bowl contenders. But if you lose to the fellow number one pick in the Battle of Ohio to a rookie on a short week, woo, this might be must-win. I'm but, going up the mountain that, and Nick. planting my Baker Mayfield flag. But Go that ahead, is an extension wow. of Baker from last year. That is, no, 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 that's not based on week one. It, this is a must-win for Baker Mayfield based on what we've seen the last year and a half. I don't know if it's a must-win for the Browns as much as it is a must-play better for no, Baker, Baker Mayfield, Brandon. What do you well, think? Yeah, it's a Baker flag. It's got a picture well, of his I face, guys, not let, the Browns. Oh, listen, oh let, Baker. Let, let, I stand let me, corrected. Let me, You're right. Baker. Let me try to create some sympathy for, for Baker a little bit, right? All right. Think about this. In the last... In the last two years, he had three different coaches. He had Hugh Jackson, yep. 
and we know how that ended. He had uh, Greg Williams to come in as the Soup interim kitchens. head coach. And then, and then Soup Kitchens, <laughs> Freddie Kitchen comes in, yeah. and, and, and he's, 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 he's to blame for that because he stood on the table for this guy. At the quarterback position, and we keep saying this, and, and Coach Mangini came on the show and he, he uses two words, continuity and chemistry. And at the quarterback position, it is key for their success, for their overall career, that they have a chemistry and a great relationship between the play caller, the head coach, and the, and the organization yeah, because sure they're right. just different than other players. This is like the CEO on the field. These guys lead up. These guys need to learn how to lead down. So I want to give this a little bit more time because, you know, this is a kid who's in a new offense, no off-season, no preseason games, it's going to take time. And I know there's a lot of people that don't want to hear it. They're like, no, you have to win now. We get it. A billion-dollar business, million-dollar athletes. But you have to give this kid and this offense some time to, to really gel together and figure out how they work together with this identity. Brandon, I think that's smart, and I think that's correct in almost, you know, from 30,000 feet. But I think the reality on the ground is Kevin Wilds is right because it wow. is this franchise, because we also know Baker does not have the most even-keeled temperament to where he, he does see everything. He does read everything, as does Odell. And it's not it wouldn't just be 0-2. I think Wilds' point that it would be 0-2 with a loss to the Bengals to the other team in Ohio, to another number one overall pick, a team that was the worst team in football, it would feel worse than a typical 0-2, and I feel like things could get away from them. With all that said, Jenna, they, they kill them tonight, and the, the, it's like the Ravens game never happened, because I do think this is yep, still a relatively emotionally somewhat immature group of guys. So I, I don't know if it's a must win in the standings, Jenna, but from a mindset perspective, it very well might be. And if they do yeah, win tonight, then we're going to need three feet. games to see how the teams usually... Go ahead, Brandon, finish your thought. 30,000 30, feet view, that's all good. But on the ground, like you can't make rash decisions and you can't make decisions in a vacuum. Sure. You can't win championships that way. You have a new coach. Uh, this coach is getting familiar with who he has. So you have to give it time. But I get it. I understand the pressure on professional athletes and professional organizations. I'm the queen of rash decisions. Like, we should go to a commercial break right now. 24 hours later, we're still talking about those Clippers. Is team chemistry to blame for their early playoff exit? We're going to break it down on the other side. First things first. First Things First is proud to be presented by FanDuel Fantasy. Sports are finally back. Basketball playoffs, hockey playoffs, baseball, golf, and more. And football's right around the corner, which means fantasy football is back. Never played at FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel's offering users the chance to play free this NFL season. No deposit required. Just sign up and FanDuel will give you a free entry to a contest each week of the football season where you can win real prizes. Plus, for those folks who want to deposit, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. FanDuel Fantasy is an easy-to-use app. Pick a new team every game and compete for cash payouts. FanDuel is offering users the chance to play free this NFL season. No deposit required. 
Just sign up and FanDuel will give you a free entry to a contest each week of the football season where you can win real prizes. Plus, for those folks who want to deposit, FanDuel's offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Go to FanDuel.com FTF or download the FanDuel Fantasy app to play now. FanDuel, more ways to win. Start your Saturday strong, 10 a.m. Eastern with the Big Noon Kickoff Show, followed by the Big Noon mm. Game of the Week. Houston taking on Baylor on Fox and the Fox Sports app. All right, gentlemen, time for four things first. Collection of things we saw, we loved. Brandon, uh, you loved Zeke's new tattoo. I knew this was going to be a bigger story than, uh, than, than what, what, how it took off. I mean, this was horrible. This is the worst tattoo I've ever seen. But you know what's better? <laughs> it, it wasn't the reaction uh, after this uh, by Wilds, our guy who highlighted this tattoo in this demonstration, but it was Zeke's mom. Like, there was somebody on Twitter who was like, hey, how do you feel about your son's new tattoo? Because he has a lot. And she says, uh, this is terrible. No go. So I think this story <laughs> is still developing. Let's continue to track it. The worst tattoo in history. <laughs> Wow. Wow. All right. Kevin, Jimmy Butler's coffee career. I love this one. That's right. There's sources from Nick DePaula. Jimmy Butler's Big Face Coffee clothing is made by Lululemon, and he's going to get a Lululemon deal. I'm here to tell you this is a huge vindication for me because your old friend Kevin Wilds was early on wearing Lululemon gear to play basketball. And I suffered oh, the slings no. and arrows of ridicule for it. <laughs> I'm finally vindicated from people saying, hey, who's got my man in the swim trunks? They're not swim trunks, dude. They're Lululemon shorts. Stop saying they're sh swim trunks and, 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 and slandering my game before we even start. It's like, oh, it's us four and my man with the swim trunks. Like, nah, they're not swim trunks. They help with mobility and they're comfortable. So but, I feel like I'm finally vindicated. Mobility, Me and Jimmy Butler, Lou Lemon basketball for life. You were probably first on the leggings under those swim trunks, too. Oh. Nick, you need an NBA vote. Make your case, my friend. America, I mean, listen, at this point, the evidence is overwhelming. Can we show my All-NBA teams compared to the actual three first, second, and third teams that came in yesterday? Because not only are they nearly identical, so first team, that's five for five. Second team, listen, it were four out of five of the same. I had Russ on the second team. They had Dame on the second team, so we flip-flopped those. We only have two discrepancies on here, and I would argue with being able to see the playoffs, I got one right, and the oh, entire man. NBA uh, world got one right. I had Bam over Gobert. Gobert been at home for a month. Bam is making the block of the playoffs. Now, I had Middleton. They had Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler would appear through the light of the playoffs, maybe, is a more impressive player than Chris Middleton. But that's 12 out of 15, exact right, exact place, 13 out of 15 right the, the same player as all the voters and then two discrepancies kevin wilds call in to your good friend adam silver and get me the vote enough's enough man i laughed at your lululemon bit get me a vote that's all i asked for go ahead no, please, please, please don't Kawhi, second team nick Look, everyone nick, agrees with i give me. this take here 
with grace, so take it as such. Happy 25th birthday goes out to Patrick Mahomes today, the human highlight reel. Behind the back passes, side passes, under the leg, up on top. I mean, the guy is amazing. He's been a breath of fresh air in the NFL. He's creative. He's unique. He's... Thank you, Jenna. What? So He's not the first person to ever do that? Somebody even more famous oh. than Patrick Mahomes did it for... Oh! Oh, Our yeah. guy Dan Marino what in the turquoise tracksuit, Mr. Isotoner, uh, yeah. Mr. Nutrisystem. Like Mr. Yards. I've been doing this for years, kid. Do yeah. 40 yards behind yeah. the back. Wow. Hey, Patrick Mahomes, I oh, love yeah. what you're doing. Unfortunately, you didn't like the torch. You are simply taking it from Mr. Dan Marino, holding it for a little bit, and then you will pass it on to someone who's now four yeah. years old. You know old what he didn't take from Marino? Well. You know what he didn't take from I Marino? Know, Winning ball. a Super Bowl. I know. He didn't take that from I'm him. I'm trying to move on <laughs> he didn't take that, that from him. Come. I'll tell you that one. Oh, got it. Super Bowl handover. Still look great. Isotoner. <laughs> Fallout continues this morning for the Clippers after they blew three chances to advance to their first Western Conference Finals. Let's dig in. So, a lot of blame to go around. A report yesterday that Paul George and Montrez Harrell had a heated verbal exchange during the series. Montrez apparently upset over a turnover that Paul George blamed on him. This all on the heels of a report from The Athletic that the arrival of PG and Kawhi last year caused some tension behind the scenes. Apparently, we all can't just get along. Uh, Brandon, was team chemistry mm. the biggest factor in the Clippers not winning a title this season? Yeah. Now, now we're getting to the root of these issues. Oh, a team down 3-1, they come back and win. Oh, we blame it on minutes. We blame it on we didn't have a raw, raw speech. Now we're starting to see the root of these issues. When there's no chemistry, when there's guys in the locker room fighting on the sideline fighting, it starts to tell a bigger story. Now, is it is it a huge issue that there was an incident on the sideline? No. This happens all the time. It happens every single game. Okay, you just got to watch a little closely. But what's bigger is what was said. What, what he said was, oh, you think you know everything. No one can tell you nothing. That's a big issue because now we're talking about the root and something that uh, uh, may be been affecting this locker room since day one. You have a team that's uh, allegedly embraced small ball and a new, uh, not small ball, excuse me, but embraced uh, low management and, and, and embraced something uh, a little different uh, approach than most teams. And then it seems like the locker room really didn't embrace this. So when you start to hear these rumblings, it makes you think, what else is going on? Because when you have a team with two superstars, uh, two top 15 players in the NBA, and they lose to the Denver Nuggets, who I think is the better team, but I think I, you know, my, myself and Nick were the only ones in America to pick them, uh, uh, you start okay. to wonder what else is going on because it's more than just X's and O's. It's more than just, you know, drawing up plays. So something else is going on here, and I think this story is still developing. So let's pay close attention to this. You know what I always like uh, in horror movies? The scary autopsy guy. When they have to go and they're like, what happened? And the guy's like some ghoulish figure and he's got his like butcher knives. Like, you're the autopsy guy? Aren't you supposed to be like a medical profession? That's what is happening to the Clippers. And the scary autopsy guy is Nick Wright. And he's, he's carving up the Clippers corpse with just joy. 
and, and, and with blunt yeah. instruments. Oh. So I'm gonna give you a preview of how his card sharpening his knife. Still morning uh, time. Doc's now. choke job, and he can't make rotation, and it's load management, and it's PG choking, and and, and it's Jack Harlow, and it's Montrez Harrell, <laughs> can't guard Joker, and it's Kawhi went six for 22, and and they went over, they went o for o in the in the yep. fourth quarter. They Paul George and Kawhi had zero points, and he's just loving it. He's loving it. So before yeah. we just go crazy, and Nick is sitting there with his butcher apron totally covered in red, and he's like, goodness gracious, he's taking a real joy in this. Just remember, America, the autopsy that is being conducted with such joy is being done with a little LeBron crown on. Every, all this Clipper slander you hear has a big no. dose of anger because poor Kawhi Leonard and the New Balance marketing executives put the tagline that said, this is my city, and gave him a little crown keychain. That's it. And, and that has fueled Nick's, Nick's fire. So go ahead. Let it burn, Nick. Burn it, burn it down. Go ahead. Here we go. Okay. So listen, <laughs> your analogy was almost great, Wilds, because had the Clippers lost in a, you know, a seven-game war to the Lakers, you would have wanted an autopsy to find out why it went so poorly for them. But because they lost the way they did to the team that they did, if I am the guy in the morgue, I don't need to conduct an autopsy. They bring the body in, they're like, what do you think the cause of death is? And I'm like, I don't know, the giant gunshot wound? That seems like a good place to start. And the place to start with the Clippers is with the guy you mentioned, Kawhi Leonard. We are finding all these reasons to figure what could have possibly happened to the Clippers down the stretch of these last three games. Well, could it possibly be their best player stunk up the joint? Can we show what I thought was a hilarious and great tweet last night? I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw. Can we show that real quick? Because, I mean, the tweet's for me, but don't worry about that. Worry more about, look at the time score situation. That is the Clippers up 12, and look at Kawhi Leonard's stat line. At that moment in the game, Kawhi was playing great. The Clippers were playing great. He had 12 points on nine shots. He finished the game with 14 points on 22 shots. That's one of 13 the rest of the way. We don't need an autopsy to figure out why they fell apart down the stretch of games five, six, and seven. You just got to look at this. Game five down the stretch, Kawhi played well. I'll give him credit. Game six down the stretch, Kawhi was very shaky, as was the team. And game seven down the stretch, he was awful. Why did the Clippers, uh, why did they have the chemistry to go up double digits in three straight closeout games and then fall apart because of that? because their best guy wore down, because their best guy, whether maybe it was, you brought up LeBron, not me, but I'll continue it, Wilds, maybe the pressure that's <laughs> been on LeBron for 15 straight years that Kawhi was feeling for the first time in his career weighed him down far heavier than the crown that sits on LeBron's head weighs him down. I don't know. What I do know is we are trying to uh, not Occam's razor this. Let's just go the most obvious, simplest answer is probably the right one. Why'd the Clippers lose, Brandon? Their best player stunk late. And uh, nobody wants to I criticize disagree. Kawhi because you, you disagree? You, then tell me. Yeah, then you tell I, I me why they lost. Talent, talent, 
talent only takes you so far. It reminds me a little bit of KD and Draymond Green uh, in the Golden State Warriors. Talent only takes you so far because when things hit the when things hit the fan, right? It, it, chemistry is what you have to lean on because you start to think about, all right, I just had this 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 confrontation with my teammate on the sideline, but I don't want dinner to be awkward Friday night. We made reservations to this amazing steakhouse, and then you start thinking about uh, uh, you know the the times where your wife, your wives. Uh, uh, um, booked a vacation wow. for you for the offseason. You're like, ah, you know what? You know, things is tough right now in the locker room, but do I really want to go to Cabo with this guy and his wife and, and things being rocky? Let's just talk it through right now. Chemistry is everything. We saw LeBron uh, do it with his teammates. You had Antoine on yesterday talking about the thing that he loved about LeBron is how he see AD at his house all the time and how he gets all mm -hmm. his guys to buy into one thing. That is built off of the court. That is built off of the field. So well, chemistry, well, Brandon, we can't take that for granted. This is a big deal. That's fine, but guess what? If it is chemistry, that's on Kawhi too. Because chemistry comes from the top down, the best player down. So, you know, choice A or choice B, it's the same answer, Jay. Right. You'll find a way. You'll I, find a way to crush Kawhi. If this is the team just, they bring back next year, though, there's going to be a lot of figuring out to do switching gears. Hey, yeah. we may have figured out what's motivating Aaron Rodgers. I promise it'll surprise you. Greg Jen Jennings joining us next. First things first. Wild, you have to admit, that wasn't out For a lot of us, our home is now more than just our home. It's also a gym, a bakery, and a barber shop. And if you're a business owner or a people manager, home might also be where you do your hiring. That's where ZipRecruiter comes in. ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier because you can do it all from one convenient place. ZipRecruiter.com slash approach. No matter where you're hiring from, ZipRecruiter does the work for you. How? Well, ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans thousands of resumes and profiles to identify the most qualified people for your job. If you're really interested in a candidate, you can even invite them to apply for your job. With one click, ZipRecruiter sends them an email from you and you stand out from the competition. And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, First Things First listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com approach that's ZipRecruiter.com slash approach, A-P-P-R-O-A-C-H. ZipRecruiter.com slash approach. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Back here, first things first, it's time to make our Super 6 picks. One of the questions tonight, which team oh. will win and by how many points? Nick, start with you. Who do you got? Bounce back game, Baker and Odell. Browns by 13. That's my pick, Brandon. Browns by Ooh. 13 in the Super 6. I didn't win mm, last week. 13. I was very embarrassed by that. And so I'm going Browns by 13. Brandon, you're, you, what do you say? Woo. Well, what, I, what I'm saying is tonight uh, the scoreboard will be lit up. But I'm going to pick the Browns by 6. Most games come down to 3 uh -huh. or 4 points, Nick. Oh, you got okay. Okay. Why'd you, got pick, why'd you pick six then? If it's three or four points, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go three points. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Bengals by three. The football gods look kindly on the Bengals and the missed kick last week. I'm gonna say Bengals by three, Jenna. All right, I'm mm, gonna say safe, that I agree with safe. you, but nobody asked. Make sure you get your picks in. 
before Sunday for your chance uh, at a shot at $25,000 of Terry Bradshaw's money. For much more information, mm. scores, info, all of it, you can always head to our Fox Sports app. All right, moving right along, we welcome in Greg Jennings now. Busy weekend for Mr. Jennings. He's on the call for the Pacers or the Packers-Lions game this weekend. It's a good thing you're not doing the Pacers game. They're not even playing. It all starts Sunday at 1 o'clock on Fox. We, uh, we wondered which Aaron Rodgers we'd see this season after the team drafted Jordan Love. Turns out it was the great Aaron Rodgers. 364 yards, four scores last weekend. Greg, there's this narrative out there that the Packers only drafted Love to light a fire under Rodgers. It appears that it worked, at least thus far, in week one. You buying it, though? Uh, no, I'm not buying it. I mean, I, if the Packers drafted Jordan Love to light a fire under Aaron Rodgers, then if that was their initial motivation, it worked. Uh, but I think a lot of this had to do with this is the second year with him himself and Matt LaFleur, this offense, uh, this entire unit offensively has a second year now of this scheme and understanding and trusting it. Uh, but even more than that, talking to Aaron Rodgers this past weekend, he just really have found who he is. And, 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 and I know a lot of us have talked about what he does as a leader and we know some of his personal battles or whatever they may be, but he cares about winning. And anytime you have a player that caliber that hasn't played up to the level of play is standard, not only by those around him, but himself. And he admitted to that. I haven't been as good as I, I know I've needed to be for this team to be successful. He knows that now as a player, Brandon, you mm. also know this. When a guy comes in and you know he plays your position, yeah. you're not so much concerned about him, but you're mindful of him. You know why. We know yeah. that when when yeah. a guy gets drafted that high, it's like, they okay, they're, they're, are they trying to usher me out? Do they think I no. can't get it done anymore? And so, yes, it did light a fire underneath him. I don't think that was the initial reason for the draft pick of Jordan Love. They wanted to be secure at that position moving forward, giving if Aaron Rodgers, whether he ends his career there or moves on somewhere else, they have an option. I don't know, Greg. I mean, you know this organization uh, better than we do, obviously. Uh, but this this is interesting. I mean, I, I don't know if we've ever seen a scenario like this where uh, a team has, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime uh, quarterback uh, leading your leading the way, and then you go draft the guy just to uh, just spark a fire underneath him. But this is interesting because it really is a win-win if you think about it. If it if he is the guy that you're saying he is, where he's got a little too complacent, he's a little too comfortable, and it lights a fire and he goes out and does what he did in week one throughout the entire season, then you win. If he doesn't, you have a quarterback that you can transition to yeah. and, and you can toss the ball to, to when, you, when you kick him out. So I don't know, Greg, this is interesting. I, I guess my question for you is because you, you've talked to him, you've been around him, you've caught so many balls uh, from this guy. Is he someone that needs to be motivated externally? That's a great question. And when you, you out from the outside looking in, you would think, no, Aaron Rodgers don't need any external motivations, motivators. He, he's an intrinsic motivator. But if we think about the history of Aaron Rodgers, if we think about 
all the things, the clippings that we know he, he's heard, uh, the rebuttals that he gives in his media um, press conferences, he listens to the external noise at times, and he has throughout the course of his career. Now, maybe that has changed, but when you've done that, when you've enter entertained it, it typically sticks with you. You just learn how to manage it and deal with it a little better. Uh, but mm. he definitely listens to all the outside and, and how it impacts his play or affects his play is how it's displayed. Mm. Hey, hey, Greg, um, a lot of this narrative, a lot of it started with Trent Dilfer and, and his podcast with Ryan Rossillo, who's been doing a, a lot of bicep curls, by the way. Um, and, and Dilfer <laughs> said that the Packers organization or just professional football in general uh, said you got to be a puppet master. You got to you have to motivate the players any way possible. And if it hurts his feelings, so be it. Get some Kleenex. That was Dilfer's words, not mine. But I think the other issue that we were all concerned about when we talked about the original draft is not that they got Jordan Love. It's that they got someone instead of a, a wide receiver, instead of a true weapon for him. Do you think because they had such a, a prolific uh, offensive showing week one that that concern is, is off the board now? No, no, I don't think it's off the board. And when I look at their, their roster of receivers, they do have talent. They don't have the names to go with what we consider the talent. Yeah. Um, but they trust Alan Lazard. They actually believe that Alan Lazard is the next guy. Um, and then you see what Marquez Valdez-Scantling was able to do. He's a growing uh, talent that they believe can be good in this National Football League. He, he just has to do it consistently. We have to understand that not all the time do you need a number two, three, four guy. And I think when we look at the history of the Green Bay Packers, you look at the, the jersey that I have over my left shoulder. Like, there we go. You got, you, you got Aaron Rodgers with Donald Driver, myself, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, uh, James Jones. We've always seen so many weapons around him, these guys, yep. to where I think it's taken for granted that it's not as easy to acquire these guys as you think. And you want to build these guys. You want to nurture these guys. You want to draft them and then allow them to grow. And that's what the Green Bay Packers are doing. They have guys that they feel like fit their organization, fit that locker room, fit with Aaron Rodgers, and they just want them to grow. Next. So... I actually don't think this is a football story. I think this is a media story. Because, and here's why. Trent Dilfer is the one who said this and it got some traction. But on the Ringer NFL show, I think Kevin Clark with Nora Princiati on Monday, this same exact idea was floated. And I heard it one other place that I can't quite remember. In the last 96 hours was Jordan Love's drafting a ploy. And the reason I say it's a media story is this is really, really great media manipulation by some leaker in the Packers front office because they are positioning oh. themselves to be able to mm. win either way. They took a massive risk in not only drafting Jordan Love, but trading up to draft Jordan Love. Week one, obviously yep. Jordan Love doesn't play. The next draft pick they had, A.J. Dillon, 
the running back. He was third on the depth chart in week one. He had two carries for 14 yards. The next draft pick they had, an H-back, Josiah Deguerra, had one catch for 14 yards when Rodgers was slinging it all over the field. And someone in the Packers front office very smartly said, you know what? We have to reframe this because we were 13-3 and last year in the NFC Championship game. We did almost nothing in free agency. This offseason, our you know immediate returns of our draft ain't great. And our first-round pick it, it infuriated our quarterback. So what if we make it a can't-lose? If Rodgers stinks, then obviously we're smart. But now, if Rodgers is great, we're smart still. If Rodgers is great, he's great not because he's Aaron bleeping Rodgers, but because we motivated him. So what is a motivated yeah. Aaron Rodgers worth? Is it worth a first and a fourth, well, what you traded to get Jordan Love? Of course it is. So it is to me, this well, is, I, there is, the, I, I cannot believe, Brandon, it's the princess that bride on, moving in the, the, in the draft right, room, Brian Gutenkunst yeah. was, that Brian, I just, I can't believe that Brian Gutenkunst was like, you know what, here's the deal. What we need to do yeah. is do, is, we're going to use our pick as a psychological warfare on our quarterback. I think they took Jordan Love because they were worried Rodgers is going to soon be done. And Rodgers in week one looks like he's got a ton of football left, so they're reframing the narrative. I don't buy for one second that this was some... Uh, you know, some almost Orwellian play of don't believe what you see, but it's the man behind the curtain. I don't believe that at all, well, Brandon. Let me ask Greg but a lot this. of people seem to. So I think it's reference. I think it's great media framing yeah. by them, Brandon. Go ahead. Well, well, let, 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 let me ask Greg this because there was two things that I said uh, around draft time. One, I said the Saints were done, and people crushed me, especially the great people in New Orleans. They crushed me. And then I also said that this is the biggest waste of talent that I've ever seen. The Green Bay Packers and, and how they just uh, wasted Aaron Rodgers. You have who we were calling the best quarterback ever just four or five years ago before, you know, Mahomes bursted on the scene, uh, and, and, and he has one Super Bowl ring. Greg, so I don't understand why the Green Bay Packers don't participate in free agency. I don't understand why the Green Bay Packers play one-on-one -on -one coverage when they have no secondary. Like, I just don't get it. So am I far off here? Am I valid? Like, help me here. Because I just think that when you have Aaron Rodgers on your team, you should be looking at multiple Super Bowls. Well, when you have, again, a history of drafting guys and then developing guys, it's hard to get you out of that mindset. It doesn't matter really who comes in. That's kind of the culture that's set. Mark Murphy is still in place. So he has an idea and yep. they have an identity that they kind of want to stick with. But I'm with you. I think that they... They could have definitely, over the course of Aaron Rodgers' career, he's been to one Super Bowl. They could have made a lot more, a lot greater splashes in free agency and reached even when it came to the draft to make sure and ensure that he has depth around him because we've seen it over the course of careers. Great, when, great. when quarterbacks get older, you need them sorry, to do less to and the you. guys around them to do more. What? When you were there, what, what was the one thing that you're like, man, if we just change this one thing, we would be better. We'll get over the hump. Was there one thing that jumped out? And, I, and I'm Resign sorry to put you like this, but this is a big deal. Yeah, you should have. Well, Greg well, should have took the deal. They offered him four for 40, and he didn't take it. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, 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 definitely, they definitely didn't offer me that. <laughs> they definitely didn't offer All me right, that. But, I mean, it was Greg's a couple of gonna things. Greg's going to have a front. Listen. Go ahead, Greg. Finish your thought. 
No, no, no. Go, go ahead, Jenna. You, this is your show. All right. We. <laughs> it is my show, Greg, and I'm glad that you know that. I was going to say, you get a front row Absolutely. seat to watch Aaron Rodgers this weekend. You're on the call for the uh, Packers-Lions game. we got to take a break. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about this more in a little bit. Coming up, though, talk some basketball. There is a Western Conference Finals matchup to discuss, and we're going to do just that. LeBron and the Lakers gearing up for tomorrow night. This, Greg, is my show called First Things First. <laughs> The stress of daily life weighs on all of us, whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day. Muscle pain and muscle tension, that's a real thing. That's why I use Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet, you'll wonder if it's on. While you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power that you need. Starting at only $199, go to theragun.com slash FTF right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash FTF, theragun.com slash FTF. Hey, this Sunday on Fox, the Cowboys with their season opener against the Falcons, or you would, might see Jimmy G and the Niners. They take on the Jets. All the NFL action kicks off one Eastern. Check local listings for the games in your area or watch it on the Fox Sports app. Back here with Chris Broussard. All right, Broussard with the Clippers now in the rearview mirror. Let us look forward to tomorrow night's big game. Nuggets, Lakers to open the Western Conference Finals. For LeBron James, been there, done that. Just not quite from a bubble. His 11th trip to the conference finals and the path ahead, I don't know, doesn't seem too daunting. No more Clippers, no more Bucks. It's just Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. So, Nick, let me start with you. What are you expecting to see oh. from LeBron and company in game one Friday night? Well, you know, luckily, unlike Chris Broussard, I can just go to my original bracket and say, <laughs> what did I have? Oh, I had Lakers over Nuggets in six. So I think I'll just stick with Lakers over Nuggets in six. Now, with that said, Broussard, I would not be surprised at all if the Nuggets win game one. We have seen, not just throughout this series, but throughout LeBron's entire playoff career, unless he feels like his team is the massive underdog and that every game you could possibly steal is huge, he's going to use game one to feel out and see how the opposing team is going to play him, how they're going to approach this series. So that is an opportunity for Denver. But Chris, the reason I think Denver is in real trouble in this series is, like most teams in the league, they don't have anyone to guard LeBron James. Gary Harris, who's their best perimeter defender, is simply not going to be able to do it. Jeremy Grant's not strong enough. Like they don't have a good match. Paul Millsap is not quick enough. They don't have a good matchup. But the other reason is this. The Clippers never could figure out, Broussard, how to guard the high pick and roll between Jokic and Jamal Murray. The Lakers can, if they need to, just put LeBron James on Jamal Murray and Anthony Davis on Nikola Jokic, and they can switch that screen and still be okay. 
Anthony Davis is quick enough yep. and long enough to be able to hang with Murray a bit. And LeBron James is strong enough to be able to deal with Jokic on the block. So they have a bit of kryptonite for what is the Nuggets' most valued tool on offense. And I don't think they're going to have to double Jokic. So for all those reasons, I, I have tremendous respect for the Nuggets. Obviously, they were better than the Clippers. Obviously, the Lakers are playing the hardest possible team they could be playing <laughs> in the Western Conference Finals. But I don't think the Nuggets have enough for them here, Chris Broussard. They don't. And look, I I'm with you in that I wouldn't be surprised if Denver wins tonight. I wouldn't panic. I wouldn't think, oh, wow, maybe they'll win this series. We've seen the Lakers lose the first two games in the previous two series. But I do expect the Lakers to win. And look, this is a match made for the Lakers, unlike their first two rounds. Okay, Portland presented some real challenges in that they were a perimeter-oriented team, and the Lakers had had trouble guarding the perimeter. Same thing in the second round. You you had the 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 uh, the second round was um, I'm trying yeah. to remember who, who they Westbrook even, and Harden. Houston, Westbrook Houston and Harden. with the small ball. That that's how yeah that's how that's how memorable Houston was just, in that just series. Disrespectful. But they were, they were with, the, with the small ball. You had to adjust to that. Denver is tailor made for the Lakers, and you mentioned Anthony Davis on Jokic. Heck, Dwight Howard. And JaVale McGee guarded Jokic well in the regular yep. season. Lakers won three or four. They held Jokic to about 16 points a game. If for some reason that doesn't work, you're right. You just throw AD on him. And then here's the other thing. They have success against Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard is a mid-range guy. So they would funnel him into traffic in the mid-range. And Kawhi's going to pull up in the mid-range and shoot the jumpers, but they could collapse on him and give him trouble there. LeBron's not going to stop in the mid-range. LeBron is going to go all the way to the rim, and Denver has no rim protection. As great as Jokic is, he's not a rim protector. Correct. So they've got Correct. real problems in this matchup with the Lakers. I'm, I'm with you, Nick. I picked the Lakers in six, um, and, and that's what I expect to happen. Definitely not a seven-game series in my view. Okay. Yeah, the, I, the, the I Nuggets are going to have to do something you. at the Go, Go ahead, ahead Wilds. No, I mean, no, I, no, that all makes sense. That all makes sense on paper. I, I think we're looking at it like, well, yeah, Nick, that makes sense, and Broussard, that makes sense. But then the Nuggets, if I'm the Nuggets, I'm sitting there like, yeah, we're the Nuggets. Remember we surprised everybody? In the first round, we're like, ah, oh, Jamal Murray, you're cute. You're, you're a budding superstar. And then the next round, like, yeah, we're not losing. We came back twice from 3-1 down. And, Nick, if you don't lose... If the Lakers win game one, you say you're not going to be nervous. When are you going to be nervous? Because even when you're up 3-1, you still probably have to be oh, nervous because that's road. when these he guys turn nervous. into monsters. Like, yeah. look at points per game. Joker and Murray, when they're facing elimination, there's the, the power two on the left, <laughs> the power two on the right. I, I don't know when you start to feel confident because even when you're when you're about to close out the series, that's when these guys are going to explode. So, look, I think the Lakers win, but I, I there's been a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, newspaper print wasted writing the Nuggets off. Well, I, I don't know if it was wasted because they're going to have to do something they've never done before. You know, last night when I was really looking at this, I'm like, okay, well, how did the Nuggets get here? And it's really easy. It's two guys, Jokic and Murray. And when you look at the regular season, Chris, you talked about it already, right? The Nugget, uh, the Lakers won three of four. And, and, and Jokic, 
you know, they, they dominated Jokic. They were able to defend him. Uh, the Lakers did a phenomenal job last series against uh, the, uh, a Portland, who has a, a really good big as well. So when you look at Jokic, he's going to have to do something he's never done uh, this season against the Lakers. And then when you look at Murray, Murray was a guy that was just average. And, and I say it again, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a flash-in-the-pan type talent or a flash-in-the-pan superstar, but the, the, his four biggest game came in the bubble in the playoffs. So uh, when you look at that, it makes you wonder who else is going to step up. Maybe it's Michael Michael Porter uh, Jr. You know, he came out and said, you know, we got to get other guys involved. Well, if they want to have a chance, then they have to get other guys involved. And this might be his opportunity to show uh, who he is and back up his words. Uh, Gary Harris, uh, Millsap, all those guys yep. have to play big. And they can't just wait until game five, game six, when, when their back's against the wall and Delta has uh, 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 their their private jet uh, on the tarmac. Like, you have to do it game one, game two. So um, I'm excited yeah. to watch this series, but at the end of the day, this is the Lakers series to lose, as we all know. All right. And, and the next time LeBron James blows a 3-1 lead will be the first time. Hell, the next time LeBron James blows a 3-2 lead will be the first time in over a decade. That is simply not – Denver's idea of coming back on this team, that's not going to happen when you have the greatest player ever on the other side of the court. And, it's, and the regular season numbers are worse for Denver than folks even acknowledge because, they, yeah, they, they lost three out of four, but the one they won, LeBron didn't play. So they played the Lakers three times when LeBron played, and they were 0 for 3. And lastly, what the Lakers will do – that is beyond me, Jenna, why the Clippers refuse to. They will, instead of settling for the mid-range, go to the rim to get Jokic in foul trouble. Jokic was out of foul trouble in that series, not through any doing of the Clippers. They're, I mean, not through any doing of his own, just because the Clippers weren't attacking. If you can get Jokic in foul trouble, the Nuggets have no shot whatsoever, and the Lakers will attack, attack, attack. And so, I, listen, the Nuggets are an excellent team and a very, very good story with two young stars. This is mm -hmm. a brutal matchup for them. In their defense, Jenna, it's a brutal matchup for every team in the league because the Lakers are the best team in the league and have been all year. As you always say, they just might be in over their skis. All right, let's take a break. Switch some gears now. Talk Whoa. a little football. The relationship between Baker and Odell is the big one heading into tonight's Browns-Bengals game. We set the table next. First things first. We have a special moment coming up in tonight's game between the Browns and the Bengals. So on this day 100 years ago, 15 pioneers met in an Ohio automobile showroom to form what would soon be called the National Football League. During tonight's Battle of Ohio, halftime will shift from Cleveland to Canton for a special ceremony honoring the 25,488 athletes to ever play in an NFL game. And one of those 25,488, our own Brandon Marshall. Brandon, I'll start with you. How special is it to be part of that elite group of athletes? Extremely special. It's an honor, it's a blessing, it's a privilege. When you look at the landscape, there's a little over a million boys and a handful of girls playing high school football right now as we speak. 
out of that million, there's around 6% that make it to the next level, the NCAA. Um, and, and then out of that, there's around 70,000, um, you know, seniors and juniors that's eligible to make it to the NFL. And there's only 1% that makes it to the next level, uh, that being our great game in the National Football League. So when you look at those numbers, you have to look at yourself and say, how, how, did, I, how did I make it through that? Why me? How me? Uh, and, and, when, and, you know, when I, when I really just sit back and reflect on the last couple years, it's truly a blessing. So... You know, hats off to all the guys that made it to the next level. Now, and Brandon, those numbers are a great reminder that on these shows when we talk about who's playing well, who's not playing well, who needs to get better, we are talking about the 1% of 1% of 1%. The best in the world, and one could argue for the most of these guys, the best in the history of the world at what they do. And the NFL last year was obviously their 100th season. They did a whole celebration surrounding that, and then tonight celebrating the actual date of the 100th anniversary. And it's perfect. It's the two Ohio teams yeah. and the Hall of Fames in Ohio, so it works out great, Jenna. All right, let's get back to tonight's game now. The aforementioned Browns, Bengals, Baker, Host and Burrow, both teams looking for their first win. Only one, though, already dealing with issues. Reports surfacing this week around Cleveland regarding a possible trade. About the team finger-pointing blame at their quarterback, OBJ at the center of it all. Odell, desperate to rebound from his three-catch, 22-yard performance in game one, said he wants to get involved early tonight, echoing that which Brandon Marshall has been saying all week. Greg Jennings is back with us now. Greg, let's start with you. What would a loss to the Bengals mean for Baker and the Browns? It'll just mean that they're 0-2 and with a long season ahead of them um, and a lot of frustration brewing. Um, I look at their week one and just the flow of the offense. And some of the things that stu stood out to me was not just the fact that Odell didn't get his first target to almost five minutes into the second quarter, but just Baker Mayfield and his progression. When you look at a team like the Baltimore Ravens and what they can do as far as putting applying pressure and the different looks that they will present, a quarterback has to be mature in what he's going to see and then react to it. One of the ways that quarterbacks get around that is by using their cadence. And you don't see Baker Mayfield using his cadence so that he can get a pre-snap read or a possible jump or somebody giving a tail sign to, so that he can have an insight of what the defense is going to do. Too Far too often is he getting caught in situations where he's looking like he doesn't know exactly what's going to happen. And that's where the frustration lies when it comes to trying to get the ball to your playmakers. When your quarterback is already a little out of sorts, then it just falls down from there. And you see the frustration brewing early with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. when he didn't get the targets. Then he gets a target. He gets a face mask penalty. And then he gets the, the next possible ball and incomplete. And then he drops a third and two where he should have easily caught, caught the ball. A lot of frustration. I think this is going to be a big game. And I don't think they should just try to force the ball to OBJ. Jarvis Landry, in my opinion, yeah. the best receiver on that football field, flow through him Whoa, wow. with the play-action running game. Wow. Whoa, that could be a segment in itself, but, uh, you know, I'll just leave that right there. But anyways, fortunately, I was one of that 1% to make it to the NFL. Unfortunately, I wasn't like Greg my buddy 
who was able to compete for a championship year in and year out. So I'm familiar with this territory. I understand this dynamic in this locker room and what some of these guys are going through. New coaches coming in, high expectations, ownership. They're feisty. They want to win now. You have players uh, with big ego superstars. So I understand this dynamic. Greg is right. It should mean nothing. If you drop 0-2, yeah, do you have a salty taste in your mouth? Yes, but there's so much football left to be played. But when you look at this dynamic, it reminds me of some of those teams that I played on where we had huge expectations. The standard was set high, whether that was in Chicago or even uh, the last stop that I made in Seattle in 2018 when they broke up the Legion of Boone. And you had Russell Wilson now giving the organization like, okay, you, there's no Richard Sherman. It's your team. Okay, what are you going to do with it? Pete Carroll was under a lot of pressure. He was in his last year of his contract. The general manager, uh, Snyder, he was in his last year of his contract. So we dropped 0-2. And when I tell you the tension and the pressure, not only in our locker room, but in our walkthroughs, when we got on a bus, when that, whatever we did, we knew if the next play wasn't good enough, if the next game wasn't good enough, you could potentially be beat. Prime example, we're playing against the Dallas Cowboys, and I think it's the third game of the season. Uh, I, dropped, I, dropped, I dropped one ball, then I had another ball where, where I, it was a 50-50, and guess what happened? They benched me. So for the rest of the year, I sat on the bench until they cut me. So I understand this dynamic, and, and, and that's the thing that jumps out the most to me is that, yes, it should be just 0-2, let's get back up, and let's, let's figure it out. But this is going to be a, a locker room with a lot of tension. The coaching staff is going to be under a lot of pressure. So this is bigger than what, what everyone will be talking about. All right, well, our friends over at Foxbet have the Bengals as six-point underdogs tonight. Uh, it's close, so close to getting a win last night, those Bengals were. Can they do it? Nick, what are the chances you think Joe Burrow can upset the Browns and actually get his first career win? Listen, I think the chances are supremely low if Baker Mayfield can play a clean game. And this is, now at this point, we just have to look back to, from the start of last year, everything Baker's done post-rookie season. Rookie season, despite the coaching change, despite the upheaval in the organization, Baker was excellent. Baker was the one part of the organization, and by the way, had his best games that year against this Cincinnati Bengals team. One part of the organization that made you feel really good about the future. That made Odell excited when he got traded from the New York Giants to the Cleveland Browns. So think about where the organization was, even though they didn't win a bunch of games that year, to where they are right now. So what has changed? Baker's turned into a turnover machine. He has played 17 games since his rookie season. He has turned the ball over in 14 of them. It's just unacceptable. He started the year off with a turnover on their opening drive. So for Baker, especially a Cincinnati team that's no Geno Atkins, no Mike Daniels, you should be able to run the ball. Hey, Cincinnati is not a good football team. They might one day be, but they're not right now. They struggled mightily last week against another mediocre team in the Chargers. Just take care of the football. And the other advice, Greg, I would give Baker is this. Someone needs to grab him and remind him, man, you are not a great athlete compared to other NFL guys. Every time I'm watching Baker, it's he, if his first read's not there, he's jittery in the pocket and trying to scoot out of the scoot out of the pocket like it's at Oklahoma. 
It's not, man. At Oklahoma, you had the best offensive line in football <laughs> to keep you safe, and you weren't up against every single defensive lineman or edge rusher that is just a monster. You had some good ones, some mediocre ones, some guys who were just bad Big 12 defenders. And Baker has not understood that at the NFL level, Greg, he is a minus-level athlete. He is a short, not-that-fast guy at the NFL level. He can't keep thinking, I'm going to scamper like Kyler Murray and make something happen. You are not the athlete Kyler is. And up to this point, by the way, you haven't proven to be the decision-maker Kyler is either. So simplify it. Play a clean game and stop trying to run for first downs when that's not who you are at this level. If he can do those things, Greg, I think the Browns can win comfortably. I think they definitely can win, and I'll, I'll touch on what you just said. I think he is a good enough athlete in this league. I don't think he's comfortable right now because of the amount of pressure that he's endured last season um, and even early in this season going up against the Baltimore Ravens team. When you feel those pass rushers collapsing on you, you start to panic a little bit as a quarterback. But I'll say this as well. They have to do a better job, and this is a lot on the coaching staff. Um, on Stefanski, Kevin Stefanski, of, of understanding who they are. They run the football very, very well and effectively. Use that to your advantage. When you drop back, use the play action. They had some great plays yes. off of play action. You get the linebacker Smart. sucked up into the line of scrimmage. It opens the down-the-field possibilities and the throwing lanes for Baker Mayfield, who's already short in stature, who has a problem getting balls batted down. It it collapses those guys in into the line of scrimmage, so it opens up those passing lanes. They have to do a better job of that. And I think everything will be okay if they just lean into what they do great, which is running the football, Brandon. That's right. Oh, I'm going to take agree. it. Greg Jennings, thank you so much. Always appreciate your insight. Much more on tonight's NFL Centennial Celebration still ahead. And if you think the players are the only ones with something on the line, you are mistaken. Take a look. Probably the greatest moment for me was 1964, seven years old. My father was a huge fan. He was watching the Cleveland Browns play the Baltimore Colts. And Jim Brown gains the yards. The Browns have accomplished what the experts said could not be done. At that point in my life, I had never seen my father that joyous. That when the Browns beat the damn Colts, man, in 1964, and remembering the look on my old man's face, man, I said, man, this must be something cool. And after that, I've never missed an NFL championship game. All right, guys, time to play a little taste Sorry, Dan. Ball hangover. Uh, Bengals and Browns squaring <laughs> off tonight in Cleveland in the first matchup of the Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. All right, which quarterback will have a bigger performance tonight? Joe Burrow or Baker Mayfield? Nick, take your pick. The pick's got to be Baker. Listen, America. It, maybe I was a little premature on anointing Baker as one of the next faces of the NFL. But everyone else, I mean, Joe, Joe Burrow had a very nice final drive against the Chargers. 
He also, on the drive before, basically handed the ball to the defense. Now, I'm not killing for it. His first game as a starter. But the idea that all of a sudden, after one game, folks are ready to say Joe Burrow's better than Baker Mayfield. Like, come on. Baker's in a rough spot. He'll rebound. He'll rebound starting tonight, Brandon. He's going to take advantage of depleted Bengals defense. He'll have the better game, Brandon. I know you agree with me. So the question is the performance tonight. All right. So I'm going to go with Joe Burrow because uh, oh, they no. have to be able to throw the ball because they're not going to be able to run the ball. This defense, the Cleveland Browns run defense is stout. They did a great job of stopping Lamar Jackson in that run offense. And then also on the other side of the ball to help out your young struggling quarterback in Baker Mayfield, embrace what you have uh, uh, at your at your disposable. And that's your, that's your run game. You heard Greg Jennings talk about it. For that very reason, I'm going with Joe Burrow. All right, let's move on to Dallas now. Cowboys home opener Sunday set to host the Falcons. One o'clock, that game on Fox. All right, Brandon, let's stick with you here. Which wide receiver is more likely to have a dominating performance in this game? Julio Jones or Amari Cooper? Brandon, take your pick. Oh, uh, there's a secret society between the wide receivers. Why would you do this to me? But if I got to pick, <laughs> I'm going to go with Julio Jones because I can't go against Matt Ryan's love for his guy. This is, a, this is a combination that's deadly. This is a combination where when Matt Ryan drops back, he's looking for one person and one person only. So I'm going to go with Julio Jones. Well, and because Julio Jones and Amari Cooper are not in the same league. I mean, they are. It's the NFL, but not in the figurative league. Amari Cooper is a really good mm. number one receiver. Julio Jones is arguably the best receiver in football. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's an all-timer. Like, I, I, Julio should be insulted by this question. So the answer is Julio Jones. Like, come on. <laughs> it's Julio Jones. This is, this is the easiest question I've ever been asked. All right, move on now. Big showdown in the know. AFC. Deshaun Watson's Texans hosting the reigning MVP Lamar Jackson and the Ravens on Sunday. So which is the quarterback more likely to make the play of the year Sunday, Lamar or Deshaun? Nick, take your pick. Oh, the answer has to be Lamar. I mean, against this Texans defense, with his ability to scramble, with his ability, we saw it already in week one, improved downfield passing. All of that going for him. On the flip side, you have Deshaun behind that beleaguered Texans offensive line. It's going to have Calais Campbell and company just attacking him repeatedly. Like, I, to me, it is absolutely Lamar. If I'm Deshaun, I'm just trying to get out of this game alive given what the Texans put in front of me yeah. on the, from the line standpoint against that Ravens front seven. So I say Lamar, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, Lamar is definitely the human highlight. Uh, but I saw something in week one that was impressive. I saw Lamar Jackson go to another level. He is now relying on his arm more than his legs. He's sitting in a pocket, and he's really progressing nicely and going through his progression and working his offense organically. For that reason, I'm going with Deshaun Watson because I see a guy on the other side of the ball who's like, you know what, this is easy. I'm playing against little boys out here, and he's dinking and dunking and taking off when he needs to. But Deshaun, he has to make the play of a lifetime to beat the, the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, Every time he, he dropped back, it okay. feels like it's something dramatic. So I'm going to go with Deshaun on this one. Oh, okay. All right, I like that angle. That's smart. 
good reason. Let's finish up talking <laughs> Brady in the box. Looking to get back on track Sunday when they host Carolina on Fox. Kickoff set for 1 Eastern. Brandon, back to you. Who is under more pressure to win on Sunday, Bruce Arians or Tom Brady? Take your pick. Tom Brady, what did you say, Nick? They're not even in the same league. Come on, this is the GOAT. Six Super Bowl rings. He has way more to lose than, than, than Bruce. I love Coach Bruce. I would love to play for Coach Bruce. He's my type of guy. But at the end of the day, man, if I have to answer this question, I got to go with the GOAT, Tom Brady. Oh, because you, you were doing so great, Brandon. And then this last one, I mean, you, you got 10 meters to the finish line. You trip, you fall down. Uh, for all those reasons, the answer is Bruce Arians. We know how it works with Tom Brady. When he plays great, he's ageless. When he plays terribly, it's everyone else's fault. Bruce Arians got more criticism this week for criticizing Brady's bad play than Brady got for his actual bad play. So if the Bucks fall to 0-2, they're coming after my man oh. Bruce. They're not going to come after the pristine, steel-chinned Tom Brady. It's just not happening. So, like, like Brady is su – maybe he's <laughs> earned it, looking. but he is such a made man. There is nothing that is going to happen. He threw a pick six to end their season last year. He earned year, it. And nobody blamed he him. He earned it. Of course fine. he's a made that's man. He that's earned fine. it. Okay, that's it. fine. He earned wow. it. But that means the pressure is squarely on Arians, Wilds. Jump yes, in if Tampa Bay loses, we are coming after, Patriot Nation is coming after Bruce Arians, specifically yeah. if Gronk doesn't do anything. Last game, went two for 11, five and a half yards. That's not getting it done. His average is 14, 15, yeah. 21, 16. It's time Who's for Gronk. If Gronk doesn't have a big game, yeah, I'm going to carve up Arians, all Patriot Nation is. Yeah. Blaming. Oh, this is how it works. Is tonight, not including me, is tonight a must win for Baker and the Browns? That's next. First things first. No. Sunday on Fox, Dak and Zeke lead the Cowboys in their home opener against Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Or you may see Jimmy G and the Niners taking on the Jets. All the NFL action kicking off 1 Eastern. Check local listings for the games in your area or watch it on the Fox Sports app. All right, time now for Stories to Start. Your morning sponsored by Ram Trucks, built to serve. Talking Clippers, now the fallout continues. For the team, many picked to win it all this year. Reports of tension between players. The latest Paul George and Montrez Harrell in a heated verbal exchange during the Nuggets, Nuggets, Nuggets Clippers series. This all on the heels of a report from The Athletic that Paul George and Kawhi's arrival had created some friction behind the scenes. Nick, was team chemistry the biggest factor in the Clippers not winning a title this season? No. Listen, folks, can we just please go Occam's razor on this like we do with almost any other NBA team that underachieves? The most simplest answer is probably the right one. Their best player was not good down the stretch of these games. And we should have seen it coming, by the way. Let's just post-restart. How did the restart start? Lakers, Clippers, everyone watching. And how did that game finish? Kawhi Leonard, ball in his hands. And what does he do? He gets locked up by LeBron and throws Paul George, save me. And that game ends in a Clippers loss. Later in the restart, you're playing the Phoenix Suns. And what happens there? Kawhi Leonard is not matched up on Devin Booker. He's on someone else, comes over to help. In your eye, game over. Oh, it didn't matter. The Clippers don't care. Well, did they care about the playoffs? How about Luka? 
Who's guarding Luca on this play? It's poor Reggie Jackson and Vita Zubats. Or it's poor Reggie Jackson. Kawhi Leonard off in the corner, in your eye. So on the defensive end of the court, we saw throughout the restart in the first round, he didn't quite have it. And then on the offensive end of the court, at the end of these games, he was brutal. Just show it. Game five, chance to clinch the series. He's actually pretty good at the end of that game, but the team blows it after Marcus Morris yells at Paul Millsap. Game six, you're up 18, and he's eh, markedly below average at the end of that game as they blow that lead. And game seven, you're up a dozen late in the second quarter, and the rest of the game, he goes one for 13. And just circle that far right column. Why are the Clippers not playing anymore? That's why because their best guy was mm. awful in their biggest spot of the year. I mean, Marcus Morris yelling at people is not news, and it's not new. It's Marcus Morris being Marcus Morris. And this idea of, oh, there were people were upset when they signed Kawhi and Paul George. Well, that's funny, because Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly were at a casino back when that was a thing we could do, right when the free agency <laughs> announcement happened, and they went on the internet and said, it's over, it's over, and took a video. They seemed pretty damn happy yeah, in real right time. It didn't work out the way folks wanted it to, Brandon, and I think maybe chemistry yeah. would have held them back in a series against the Lakers. But in this series, if Kawhi is better in the fourth quarter of these games, they win one of them. Simple as that. He was bad in the fourth quarters of these last three, and they lost all three. It doesn't have to be more complicated, Brandon. But it is complicated. It's always complicated, Nick. I, I, I get it. I mean, it's a billion-dollar business. You got multi-million-dollar athletes. You got a, a bunch of egos that you have to manage and deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Kawhi Leonard, the way he's gone about his business the last couple years, I understand why people want to hold him more accountable. But he's never been Le LeBron James. He's not LeBron James. But when you talk about this, chemistry, chemistry is everything. Talent only takes you so far. And now we're getting an inside look into what really uh, uh, brought this team to their knees. This is why they collapsed. It's not Kawhi Leonard. Come on, man. He's just been Mr. Consistent the last two years. The last series, he did a phenomenal job. I mean, 29 to start the, start, start the series, 32, 35, 36, something like that. You know, it's not exact, mm -hmm. yeah. but he, he, he played well. Of course, he's going to be when he's trying to cover his, when he's trying to carry his team you got Paul George who's in and out you have uh, you got Montrez who, who's not in shape like it's just too much weight for this guy so I know you want to talk about LeBron and his history and, and, and what he's done but it just comes down to chemistry and, and we're seeing why they collapse because when things hit the fan chemistry is the only thing that gets you through it because there will be tough times every team has it right and when you're able to look at a guy and say you know what I just had dinner with you so I understand you, you know, I, you know, let's have our moment now. But at the end of the day, we're brothers and we'll get past this. But if there's no chemistry, if there's no continuity off the court, then there's no way you're going to be able to deal with these tough moments. So this is an inside look of why this team collapsed. Wow. Do you know what the most curious stat I saw today? It was from our buddy Kevin O'Connor, Nick. And do you know how many times, how many shots... Kawhi took in that Toronto Sixers game. He took 39 shots. 39. And in game seven, yeah. 39, it's amazing. And he went six for 22 in this last game. 
So I don't know if that's a sign of chemistry, that he's actually trying to foster chemistry by deferring. When he was in Toronto, he's like, I'm the guy. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to take 39 shots. So I think chemistry, or the lack thereof, he can bear its head out. in a few different ways, Nick. He was worn out. After the first seven games of the playoffs, he averaged 23 points on 40%. And by the way, apologies. Marcus Morris yelled at Paul Millsap in game five. But it was I think I said Marcus Morris and Paul George got into it on the sideline. It was Montrez Harrell and Paul George who got into it on the sideline. I have Marcus Morris yelling at people on the brain. So wow. I got that wrong. It was Montrez sure, yeah. Harrell. My apologies. <laughs> and all but the Clippers were mad at you. Now they forgive you. I think the still remains. Yeah. The least, yeah, the least insulting all, thing you've done. While we're making corrections. <laughs> While we're making corrections, I know that you don't scroll through Instagram. You don't you don't you don't lick your finger and scroll. I just want to make sure I got that out there. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Here we go. Uh, back to uh, Thursday night football now. It was bothering me this whole time. I love Instagram. Uh, the Browns hosting the Bengals tonight. Both teams searching for win number one. We discussed the dysfunction in Cleveland all week long. OBJ looking to bounce back after having just three catches for 22 yards on Sunday. He said he wants to get involved early, and perhaps that will lead to often tonight. With that, Brandon, take us through your keys to the game. Yeah, I mean, you heard him say it, and, and I've been saying it all, all week. You know, you got to get this guy involved early. This is a guy, if you get him involved in those first 15 plays with wide receiver screens, which is extended running plays, he can save you late. So that's the first key to victory for this Cleveland Browns team. The second is commit to the run. You have a struggling quarterback, you have a new system, and you have two running backs that can be premier uh, starters on any other team pretty much. Use them. They're going for five yards a clip, six yards a clip. I know you were behind the sticks with the Baltimore Ravens and you had to throw it around the field, but commit to the run, which is number two. The third thing that they have to do is they have to Get the ball to Jarvis Landry on third down because going three for 12 on third down, you won't win any games. And Jarvis Landry and, 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 and Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, has shown to have the best chemistry. Six targets, five receptions, four went for first down. So since he's been there, they had a great connection. And a lot of times when you have a star wide receiver like Odell, all the other guys can get lost in the shuffle. So if you want to get going on offense, you got to move the sticks, you got to convert on third down. And the last thing, defense, help them out. The running game, they're doing a phenomenal job uh, uh, eliminating the run. They did that versus probably one of the best running offenses in the NFL in the Baltimore Ravens. So what do you have to do on the back end? Eliminate the explosive plays. Make this team go 10 and 11 play drives. So if they do those four things, you know, this team can definitely be back on track after Thursday night football. So, Brandon, I, listen, I think holistically for the season, those four things are absolutely what should be the bullet points they see when they walk into the locker room. For this game yeah. against this Bengals team on a short week, I think we can simplify it to, hey, Baker, don't turn the ball over. Amazingly, only three times in the last 17 games he's played, three games post-rookie yeah. season, has he played a clean game? They can't overcome the turnovers uh, schematically or emotionally. I think what leads to Baker's erratic play and his kind of jitterbug nature in the pocket is he's uh, mm -hmm. afraid of making another mistake, especially after he makes one early. So 
uh, Wilds. I think everything Brandon said makes a ton of sense. But if you don't watch tonight's game, if, uh, before you even check the final score, check and see Baker's interception numbers. If they're zero, the Browns will win tonight. If they are not zero, then they could all of a sudden Wilds fall to 0-2 and be in a mini crisis to start the season. I agree. You know, they say comparison is the thief of joy. And if I'm the Browns, I'm looking across the line and seeing Joe Burrow and being like, huh, well, we have a Heisman winner and we have a number one draft pick and we play in Ohio, but our guy's been in the league for three years and this guy's been in the league for 11 days. So, I, Brandon, I think if they lose, Kevin Stefanski's going to be like, well, you know, we got to stick with Baker and he's going to take the heat. I don't think so. I think that new front office has no loyalty to Baker. So, Nick, I am going to climb the mountain. It, it, it's rarely summited this early in the season and plant the must-win flag with Baker Mayfield's face on it. Are you coming with me? Already? Bro, uh, well, <laughs> week two. Already. I want to ask Brandon, is there is there such a thing as a must-win in week two? Jenna's there. Jenna's been there for three no. years. No. Right, but Brandon, no, is there no, a must-win in week no. two? No, absolutely not. But, you know, you don't want to feel that tension, that pressure walking in the locker room. So you want to win 100%. The, I, but they do I feel do, that tension. I do think, Go ahead, Nick. No, I just, I, I do think there's on one side of the coin, it's you're lucky you're playing the Bengals. They're not a good team. They're without Geno Atkins, without Mike Daniels. You can get back on the right page. On the other hand, it's like, man, you almost would rather be playing a better team so if you do yes. lose, it's not total yes. crisis. Like, the stakes of this game are massive in this regard. A win doesn't prove that much, but a loss guys aren't, uh, guys aren't is going to make that. If you want to see Jenna guys aren't start about a show all that. Guys just, the way I did yesterday, it, it, have the Browns lose tonight. You want to see Jenna just start <laughs> a show exactly and laughter? I was just have say, the Browns lose tonight. You